0: Hi, and welcome to a special episode of our Experiencing Consciousness podcast. We are
1: Roxana
2: Eriksson, Catherine Rossi, and I'm Jan We are so happy you are here.
0: Hi, welcome to another episode of our podcast. Uh, today we are here with uh, Dr. Uh, Roxana Eriksson and Dr. Katrin Rossi, and today we're going to be discussing, we're going to discuss the topic of hypnosis. So I'm just going to ask you one straight simple question, but maybe not that simple. So what is hypnosis?
1: Well, Catherine, do you want to start or who shall I start? You know, I, I'd be great
2: if you want to start on this one.
1: Well, it's not a simple question. In fact, hypnosis is evolving as we use it, as we study it, as we share ideas with other professionals. Um, so, but going back to um, Erickson and Rossi's. View of hypnosis. My dad, Erickson, used to say, short definition hypnosis is a dissociation of the conscious mind from the unconscious mind. Okay, well, as short and simple as that seems, there's it's quite actually quite difficult to understand. Um, What it refers to. Is the inner search of one's own unconscious resources within themselves in um in service of that particular individual. Um, as a professional, we learn to bring about a state of hypnosis in the people we work with, we learn to invite them into a state of relaxation and it's not always comfort, but it's generally a comfortable state in which that inner search is activated, hoping to facilitate their ability to work through whatever is going on within them. So we are eliciting a naturalistic state within the other individual, you know, within the subject that allows them to explore on on an unconscious level. That means consciously they may not even be aware of what they're sifting through and sorting through, but resources, associations that they hold within, and then building new healthy associations that can help them overcome the problems that are at hand at any particular time. So it stimulates strengths, it stimulates the, the use of inner resources, the possibilities, and um, it's a series of techniques that professionals can learn to aid other people in their journey towards health. And I don't think that sounded simple at all.
2: <laughs> well, I'll be on the on the side of creating a simple definition. And uh, Roxana is exactly correct. Is that it's you know it's evolving and changing. And again, these are definitions that one has to determine for themselves as practitioners. And um, but the the definition that Ernie used was focused attention and expectancy. And um, of all of the definitions of hypnosis, that's the one that I resonate with the most. And um, that uh, obviously when you can focus, particularly when you can have a single focus on something to the exclusion of everything else, you can then wake up the unconscious to be able to work. And as, um, as Roxy was talking about the role of relaxation in hypnosis, which is in fact true, But there's a high phase hypnosis and there's a low phase hypnosis. This is where I get to be complicated. So when you're in the high phase of your ultradian cycle, um, that's a time of action. And so often when people are in that discovery of exploring what the problem is, there's a lot of excitement. The heart might be beating faster. You know um, that you might have these physiological responses if someone is coming in because they had experienced a trauma, and um, and they're re-experiencing that trauma in front of you, whether you've asked them to or not. Sometimes in hypnosis, you do ask people to re-experience things. They're in the high phase. And then they will naturally, when they reach the peak of that high phase, they will go into the lower phases of of the cycle. There are some people that come in and they're already in the low phase, and the techniques that you use there are different than you would with the high phase. Of how you would, um, uh, you know, a word that we haven't discussed too much, but it's being precise you know, of um, having an understanding of what's going on with the person of the condition that you're looking at them in. Do they look like they're in trance or do they not look like they're in trance, which could also be an indication, is this high phase or is this low phase? But in each one of them, if there's built in a positive expectancy it's like with this expectancy well something is going to change i really i'm really looking for change and that's that's what i'm going for i'm not looking to stay the same and then uh, to stay be really you know focused on what's important to stay focused on so
1: i really like that um bringing expectancy the, to the forefront. I think that's a putting together Ernie uh, Rossi's short definition, focused attention and expectancy, and Erickson's simple definition of dissociation of the conscious from the unconscious. The, the tool is primarily one of inner search of those resources, the innate resources that are held within. And with the expectancy, the change is going to take place. And the tool of dissociation, it gives you a different point of view. It allows discovery of exploration of whatever difficulties are held within, just looking at them from a different point of view. So the experience of hypnosis and hypnosis is an experiential process. The experience is one in which the subject is focused, attention, turned inward in it using a dissociative model in which they are exploring their problem and their resources from a different perspective been done before. And it may not be in a conscious way at all. There may be some conscious awareness and there may be some awareness, but it makes no conscious sense whatsoever. And it may be total, total amnesia for the entire experience. And so with that process, one has to use other measures, clinical measures of whether, if one wants to assess whether or not the subject was in trance. you know, clinical observations, or one of my personal things is measure of success, which has to do with, with symptom resolution or reorganizing of troublesome um experiences.
0: Yeah, and that those the definitions also bring forth another interesting deviation. Um the um, difference between the early um no dissociational dis- um researchers associated with for example with Hilgard who said that hypnosis is an altered state of awareness or altered state of mind and uh, on the other side on the contrary the behavioral uh, scientist who says that is that it is nothing more than pure expectancies and those expectancies shape the roles that we are actually playing so where is to your knowledge or in your opinion um the the point the focal point here the 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 key uh, what what is hypnosis in term of this um continuum
1: um i'm a clinician and um my personal opinion is that it is a special state of consciousness a natural a naturalistic and natural state of consciousness that that occurs spontaneously in our life process, but it is used clinically, strategically to amplify access to the internal resources. So it's a naturalistic special state of conscious awareness that comes and goes all in its own, or can be evoked strategically by a trained um, well, clinician or, or practitioner of
2: any sort. And of course, that um, when you look at hypnosis research, it's important to, to look at how it's structured And um, the vast majority of hypnosis research is structured by a very specific protocol, like a very, uh, like a script, for instance. And so conclusions that can come out of that, when the results are going to be, uh, if the results are consistent with what the experimenter is looking for, then that's considered to be valid. And yet, you know, what does it mean when when the um, client complies with the therapist? You know, that's the opposite of what I want as a clinician. I don't want people to comply with me. I want people to comply with themselves. And so when I uh, um, hear about, you know, uh, statements that are You know really more about like the reduction of uh that that expectancy is because it's according to what the uh the person thinks that they're going to get or you know but or or what the the researcher is looking for that we're evolving now into this more open-ended way of looking at things in research where it's not this old tried and true sort of thing where we can make research where the that um, person that is is participating um, is their own baseline in the statistics that they're not compared across a group of people but they're only compared with themselves and then i think we can get more realistic responses on on hypnosis within the research and the interesting thing about what is hypnosis, what is the definition, is that um there is not a consensus. <laughs> and um and uh, excuse me, I appreciate that. I would rather that that individual uh, practitioner, those people that are listening right now, is that you ask yourself that question and and Write out the definition that really works for you. And something we haven't talked about, and I don't know how to answer this question what's the difference between hypnosis and trance? You know, uh, and because the that when we're speaking about the person's experience within hypnosis, they are in some kind of a trance, and you can generally observe that. And uh, so often in um, that skeptical people that would come in to see Ericsson, it's like, no, I can't be hypnotized. I can't be hypnotized. And so um, and sometimes he would use this particular induction, which just amuses me to no end. You will go into hypnosis now. Yeah. And then they would. I've tried it a couple of times. Works great. You know, Um uh, and then they would come out of. They would go into a trance. It was obvious they were in a trance. You know, their 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 voice had slowed down. Like all kinds of things that happened was obvious. And then when they came out of the trance and they were asked the question, uh, "Did you experience trance? Were you in hypnosis?" It's like, no, I wasn't. And uh, and so there's all of these variabilities to consider. Is um, in, in what is hypnosis and what is your experience with it, you know, as a uh as a client, as a practitioner, or or even when you're doing this with yourself. So um, the, the the vastness of it and the ever-changing abilities that we have to expand, I think that this is one of the important lessons about creating a definition.
1: so for myself, one of the things I do to keep oriented in my own professional performance is every year I write out in January, I do it like a New Year's resolution. What is my definition of hypnosis? And then I compare it to previous years and observe how well it is really you know, evolve from what I was thinking last year. I want to add on some, something additional or um, tweak it just a little bit. But the reality is that there is no concrete consensus of opinion among people who have dedicated their lives to the advancement in the study of hypnosis. There just isn't the consensus. Um, so as a practitioner, as a clinician who uses the hypnosis, I think it's really important for each of us to have our own, you know, point of reference for that, you know, this is what I am, my intentions are, what I'm intending to use. So each um
0: uh clinician each person actually for for each person it would be good to actually create their own personalized definition of hypnosis um, that's gonna contain their own um, uh, uh, understand their own understandings ways of how they think and how they experience the trance and also how they actually work with it or around it
2: Absolutely, I love this idea of once a year revisiting it. That it's it's also a way to see, you know, um, how much you've grown, or you know, like the truth and the validity of, um, of of what your thoughts are. And so, that to me, this is the definition of how to have an open mind. And um, and I can think of many applications where this would be beautiful. When you ask the question, like once a year, what is love? And you write down the answer that you have and then you can compare it to the years before. Or, you know, so I, I think it's, it's uh, e- extraordinarily beautiful. And um, I wish I would have started doing something like that as a child. And then you look at it, you know, every year of um how these things have changed and how you've changed how you've evolved and um and that it leads to the opportunity to be able to trust yourself a little bit more and to respect the fact that you do have a good mind that is constantly evolving and changing well and
1: in so doing it creates its own hypnotic suggestion of the expectancy of ongoing growth and evolution. And so to witness that one is, when I look back to what, what I was writing in, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, it was, it was about a heightened sense of suggestibility. And Yes, a heightened suggestibility is definitely in the hypnotic you know realm, but that's not what that's not what I consider to be the central part of hypnosis. It's almost now I'm thinking of the heightened suggestibility almost kind of like a side effect or an artifact or whatever. The key central parts now have to do with access to the internal resources. And yeah, suggestibility is is a useful tool, but it's not the key point of hypnosis. So by witnessing my own evolution, my own growth, my own deeper understanding, I'm ratifying that yes, I am growing, I am changing, I am evolving, as is my work in this area.
0: Okay, thank you very much, then for those incredible answers, for your definitions. And to sum it all up, I'll just say to all those that are watching us or listening to us on a variety of platforms, Uh, write us your comments what do you think about that and leave us your definitions of hypnosis so that we can grow even more and so that you can grow with us by reading all that and developing your own concepts thank you very much for this meeting this was another episode of our experiencing consciousness podcast thank you for
2: being with us thank you jan you're the best be well be happy Celebrate life.